Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles Radio, where we're set for two full hours tonight on the international edition with me, my co-host, the gold standard, well, the Wall Street Journal's gold standard and ghost hunter. I don't know if he's mine. He is Mr. Steve Parsons. You told me everything kind of wrong. Oh, there you go. Felicia finally admitted it, so that's that's fine. And uh, you are prepared for uh, all our weather we gave you, since we're not going to get it. Oh. You just get. Uh, yeah, we just got three seventy mile an hour winds yesterday. Yeah, I believe well, that was a would you a hurricane in about four days' time. Yeah, Better you than me, so that's all I can say. Yeah, but anyway, keep you don't... them our way. We we had uh, we had the uh, I don't know something came to some time I forget what it was it was pretty it was a kind of a nasty storm but I was uh, doing the red light seance up at uh, VZ and uh, we were wondering if if all that extra energy uh, would provide any additional uh, results and I have to say uh, since I've been doing this which is six years in the seance and and ghost hunting for over 20, uh, is that I don't think it really plays that much of a role. But that's just from my own experience. I have nothing scientifically to prove on that. So have you heard anything, Steve, on, on that? Well, there is. there have been some studies that look at the weather, and a lot of investigators consider the weather. Um, and it's, it's certainly true that um, when the atmosphere is dry, then there is a propensity for more, uh, or the air is able to hold a greater electrical charge. Oh, that's now some people, some people have a degree of electrical sensitivity, which lets them um, doesn't increase their paranormal abilities, of course, but but it does increase their unusual sensations. And I'm sure you know if you've been out in an electrical storm, you know we get that prickle on the back of your neck and that smell of ozone. Yeah. Um, I get that know. when my wife walks in the room. <laughs> well, it, what, what, you know, it, it, it certainly the weather does have a, an impact uh, on people's experiences. There's no doubt about that, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of research that's been that's looked at that. Um, but it, it, it's never been demonstrated to heighten any paranormal activity or to enhance paranormal activity. But it does so increase reports of paranormal activity. So let's uh, let's find out from someone who deals with the spirits face to face more than we do. And he is uh, Stephen Williams from the Memphis uh, Ghost Investigations and Spirit Res- Rescue. Stephen, are you there? I am here. Thank you for having me, Ron. And hi, Stephen. Hi. So, so you heard our good little... afternoon, actually, over in Memphis. Yes, it's not that afternoon; it's like five o'clock. So, whatever. Anyways, um, 
you heard our conversation, uh, Steve and I. So what's your thoughts on, on the weather and what you do, Stephen? Well, you know, I've been investigating for about 18 years, and early on I had read reports uh, that, you know, moon cycles would have an effect, and we studied that for a while. I never could uh, really find any correlation with that. I have been in locations, uh, one particularly where I spent the night at a location by myself, and there was a, a raging thunderstorm, and a, a child spirit manifested um, and ran across the doorway, and I was able to, to see her and, and actually work with her later on, try to help her cross over. But, so, yeah, I think, when you I said, think there's more energy available for them sometimes. When you said you saw her, did you see her with your, your mind's eye or your physical eye? No, she manifested physically. Um, and I heard a giggle, and it felt like someone had poured a tub full of ice-cold water over me. And when I turned and looked, this little girl looked like she's about six or seven years old, uh, wearing a white dress, uh, ran past the doorway. And of course, I ran into that room immediately, and, I, and she was gone. She had vanished. But she managed to, you know, uh, get enough energy to, to show me what she looked like. So she was out there in front of me where I could see her with my physical eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's, there's the theory, of course, of... Uh, um, what are they, Steve? What are they, Steve? What do they call that? Uh, like the stone tape theory and all that. It's uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are there are people who think that uh, objects or buildings or or even the ground can mm-hmm. hold energy or can record images or or experiences intensified you know, from the past. There's absolutely no evidence to corroborate that at all, apart from uh, ideas. To call it a theory is actually misleading because you can't test it in any way. Uh, But there's a lot of people who subscribe to that belief that uh, either the structure of a building, the land that the building sits on, or even objects inside a building uh, can retain some memory of their past. Right. And and we, I'm sure uh, Stephen will agree too that there are, the the theory of course, that there are, two different types of haunting. One is the intelligent haunting where the spirit interacts. And the other one, which the name escapes me, and I can't understand why. Residual. Is that the word Thank you, for? dear. Thank you so much. I couldn't remember. Residual. I, I was been stuck for that for like five minutes trying to get that out of my brain. Uh, residual haunting where it's just merely something that's replayed. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's difficult uh, to understand the, the two. As far as well, not for us. I mean, not for Stephen, I guess, but for for us to uh, try to understand it as far as uh, the, the uh, scientific end of it. Yeah, I agree. I've I've had both types of experiences, and uh, of course, my work is mostly with mediums who are able to mm-hmm. uh, connect telepathically with intelligent spirit energies. So, we have been in locations here in our area. Uh, where it appeared initially when we went into a room one time there was looked like there was a young boy who was there uh, he would go up and sit at the piano and play a little bit and then he would turn and leave and then he would it was it was a repeating thing so that was definitely mm-hmm. residual and there was no interaction and no awareness but um, in that same house we did encounter a young male spirit who basically was trying to run away from us he would 
uh, go from room to room as we entered each room. Mm-hmm. And finally, we were able to um, have him calm down enough where we could have a dialogue with him, and then we helped him uh, to transition and relieve. Yeah. So you consider yourself a medium then, I assume? Yeah, I've, I uh, am mostly clear, what you would call clear sentient. So I can feel the energy of spirits uh, any place I go, and you know they will follow people. I, I even have those types of experiences, uh, like at the local Walmart, if someone is tagging along with someone. But um, the mediums that I work with are, are more clairvoyant, uh, clairaudient. I do have those okay. abilities, but that's not my strong suit. Uh, so I work with people that are more, uh, you know, more inclined to be able to pick up the information those ways. So I should introduce you a little bit more proper than than I did. We're speaking with uh, um, Stephen Williams from the Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue. And Stephen, if somebody wants to find out more about you, how could they do that? Okay, we have a website, and that is Memphis Ghost Investigations. That's plural. dot com. We also have a Facebook page, which is uh, Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue. That's the only social media that we do. So those are two okay. ways that they can reach us. Excellent. And uh, I have a, actually have a ton of questions to ask you because I've been okay. perusing your your website. And uh, one of the, the first things, and I, I, before I even forget, I want to make sure I talk about it. Now, you have a little section on there about what the Bible says about Ghosts. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to give us a little bit on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a verse in the New Testament, and it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and um, that is Corinthian uh, one, I believe, part. right? Corinthian okay. one, I believe. Is that yes. Corinthian yes. one, I believe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, go ahead. It talks go about into. the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where some people have are given the gift of prophecy and. And this and that, and there's also one about the uh, discernment of spirits. So, I feel like that's the gift that uh, the mediums have that I work with. Uh, they're able to uh, connect with those those, uh, those spirits that are out of body. Uh, we call them earthbounds. Uh, they have not transitioned to a higher level of awareness. So, um, you know, there is mention in the um, older the Old Testament about mediums and so forth, and there's kind of a negative connotation around mediums, but um, I feel like that verse in the New Testament kind of clarifies that and um, explains that, you know, those are gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to connect with spirits and discern um, right. things about them. Yeah. yeah. I actually used that on my priest, parish priest one day when uh, we had a okay. discussion. <laughs> so, what was the reaction there? Oh, he was all right. I, I, uh, you know, he went to the Bible right away and brought it out and talked about it. But, right. uh, yeah, it, it was fine as far as that. Um, now, how long, I mean, how did you first realize you were interested? In, when did you first realize you were interested in spirits or ghosts? And um, how, how did it, you know, convey along the years? Yeah. Well, as a child, I, I didn't have any experiences. Uh, never lived in a haunted house like a lot of people, you know, talk about. I did have an out-of-body experience when I was a young teenager uh, that was kind of frightening to me. And um, I think at that point, I kind of shut down um, mm-hmm. any psychic abilities that were uh, developing at that point. 
and I didn't pick it up till many, many years later. And just on a whim, uh, I was on a family vacation down in St. Augustine, Florida. This was a couple of years before um, TAPS got their show on Sci-Fi, so there wasn't a whole lot out there about it. And I went on the ghost tour and had an experience and uh, found a team, a little team uh, here in the Memphis area when I came back. And they asked me to join them. And shortly after that, we started getting uh, residential investigation requests. They had not really done any of that up to that point. And uh, so that's how it all began for me. And, and I've been doing it for about 18 years now. So I, I, we're going to get a little bit into the, the rescue part of it, but uh, it's called ghost investigations. So in your far as your ghost investigations, what do you what do you do? I mean, do you uh, do you use instruments? Uh, what is your procedure? Like, for instance, if someone called you up and said, uh, you know, I think my house is haunted. Can you take a look? What, how would you treat that and, and how would yeah. you investigate? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, being a clear sentient, I can even on a phone call with someone, if someone contacts us, sends an email or leaves a voice message, uh, I'll give them a phone call. And I'm able to read energy uh, remotely. Uh, so I can pretty much tell if they've actually got spirit energy there at the site. Um, and, um, and then once we get there, uh, we don't really... The only equipment that I take with me these days is just a, a one EMF meter and an audio recorder because I always uh, record the investigations. But in the early days when I was using equipment before my clairsentience really uh, uh, blossomed and developed where I could really use it, uh, we would, you know, typically go in and spend three or four hours sometimes into the wee hours in the morning with a lot of equipment. Uh, but nowadays, uh, we just did an investigation last Sunday uh, at a little town near Memphis here, and we were out within an hour. Uh, so the mediums that I work with are so uh, gifted and uh, able to pick up the information so quickly that we really don't we don't really don't use equipment anymore. Uh, so it's all done pretty much intuitively and. Uh, the only reason I take that EMF meter in is occasionally we'll go into a site where there's bad wiring um, or maybe there's high voltage transmission lines nearby. And so I always like to have that piece of equipment with me just to check for that uh, mm-hmm. because sometimes that can, call, can cause um, psychological uh, perceptions that are, you know, invalid um, mm-hmm. in different locations. So I always want to rule that out. But... Uh, Normally, we're able to go in and, and uh, take care of business within an hour, hour and a half, and so we're not there a whole long time. So, uh, you know, Steve, my my uh, co-host, is is the uh, he's a uh, councilman of the SPR in, in England, and also a member of the uh, Coast Club, and and uh, as well as written several books and articles on uh, different phenomena, including. Uh, uh, infrared, I mean, excuse me, infrasound, and uh, what else you do there, Steve? Uh, well, I'm just, I mean, I label myself, I'm just a ghost hunter, uh, right. 50 years on the job, and, right. and, and counting. Um, so, but, yeah. do, you, do you agree at this process where, where you're evidently, uh, Stephen, from what I'm getting out of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, is that they're really not looking for any evidence of uh, or so 
evidence of haunting, but rather just to uh, because they they use mediums that they just know it's haunted, so therefore they don't have to, you know, have any evidence uh, of that. Well, I mean, my 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 main issue there would be that you're dealing with somebody's subjective experience, subject, subjective feelings. You know, they feel they believe that something is haunted, or that they they're trusting their their impressions. Um, it's this idea of, uh, you know, I mean, what constitutes evidence of paranormal activity anyway, but, but even so, but to go, to go in with no investigation beforehand, other than your, uh, intuitive intuition, it's kind of like going to see the doctor and saying, can you guess what's wrong with me? Um, and give me the right medicine for it. Um, I, you know, I, 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 the you know I very much subscribe to the you don't do anything uh, you know uh, spirit rescue uh, clearance is is absolutely abhorrent to me um, and okay. to most of the to to a, to, to to the majority of uh, UK investigators too um, we are there to investigate and our remit ends at that point um, once we once we have investigated and ascertained what the, you know the nature of what's happening, whether it's somebody's having a real experience or whether there is something within the environment that's triggering that experience. Beyond that, we stop. Um, if uh -huh. the client wants to go further, then we would always refer them to uh, perhaps uh, a qualified church exorcist um, uh -huh. from, from either from one of the, the, the various faiths that have deliverance ministers. Okay. Um, so, rather than some, you know, self-proclaimed spirit rescue organization. Okay. So that's um, that's we have here in the UK. Yeah. I, I and quite honestly, I hadn't heard too much about spirit rescue, but uh, until I met Amy up here in in New England, Stephen, we're not trying to. We're just looking at things from a different point of view. Uh, oh, so absolutely. We, yeah. Yeah. So so Stephen, when you so. As far as you're investigating, you're more there to – are you there more to help the spirit or there to help the people uh, that are having the experience? Well, both. Um, here's a good example. The investigation that we did uh, in Risky we did last Sunday, we were contacted by a lady, and she had had uh, quite a few experiences, had seen some figures in walking through the house, had had objects moved, uh, felt like she was being touched. So I never asked for any specifics, um, just generalities like, you know, have you seen an apparition or uh, are objects being moved, that kind of thing. So we just want to go in with just very minimal information before we get to a site. And when we got there, uh, we knew that there was an earthbound male spirit there. And the reason that, we, that I'm able to say that we knew it is we're able to read the energy. To me, all this is about energy and vibration and frequency. Uh, so we're able to tune in to that energy and distinguish if it's masculine, feminine, uh, where the vibration is. And it turns out there was a, a young man there, um, and his name was Daniel. That was the name that the medium that I was with uh, got. And we also felt like there was a, an older woman there whose um, energy felt like that of a grandmother. So. Uh, without any information at all, uh, the medium that I was working with, that's Stevie Monty Smith, uh, picked up the name Daniel, a respiratory condition, um, 
And then also uh, a word that he heard very distinctly was hat. So uh, we went through the entire house, and we could feel that those energies were concentrated in different areas. And at the end, when we revealed our findings to the homeowner, uh, she confirmed that the person that had owned the house was named Daniel. He was a heavy smoker. And uh, the word that uh, Stevie had heard that was very prominent was hats. So when we were in one room of the house, um, it was very apparent that the uh, feminine energy was concentrated in that room. And we both had the distinct impression that this was a family member. And I asked the homeowner, uh, do you have any possessions that belong to a uh, deceased family member here? And she said, yes, I have a, a box full of my grandmother's hats. So that's who the uh, the person was. So we were able to provide some mediumship messages from that grandmother to the uh, homeowner. We also were able to help that um, earthbound spirit transition. And um, so got a testimonial from her a couple of days afterwards saying that everything felt great. Uh, she had the information she needed. And uh, so in a sense, we did an investigation. We just did it intuitively. We didn't rely on equipment or spirit boxes or anything like that. Right. Now, when you say you rescue spirit, spirit I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Is okay. So how does that vary from like an exorcism? Because basically you're removing the spirit from the, the location. No, basically we're counseling the spirit. It's done in a very compassionate manner. It's not uh, being forced out. Uh, anyone's being forced out of a, of a space. So the mediums that uh, I work with are able to telepathically communicate with spirits. We get their story, we do some counseling, and we just tell them, you know, that there's options. They don't have to stay there at that site if they don't want to. So it's all about free will. They can make the choice. Sometimes they do decide to stay. Sometimes they don't want to leave a location or a family member. They feel really, uh, you know, drawn to that that particular site or whatever, and, you know, we don't know. Maybe it's in their highest good to have the experience of being an earthbound spirit. But our, so, we feel like our responsibility I, is to, to tell them that they have options, and then they make the choice. Can Steve, I just, you were uh, I've, been reading, I've been reading some of the testimonials, and it's very apparent that um, a lot of people are, are helped by your visits and, uh, and find afterwards a great deal of relief from um, when, when you when you guys come around, now you just you, you just said um, that it's really down to the spirit as to whether it wants to move on, um, right. and it, it's quite clear. Uh, I mean, even reading this most recent one uh, from Drummond, Tennessee, Denise, uh, where she was deeply troubled by what was taking place. Can, can you read that for us, Steve? Steve, can you read us the the testimony, please? Uh, if Stephen doesn't mind, but I want to thank Stephen oh, and Steve sure. for coming to House in Drummond's Tennessee. I've been dealing with some entities here for quite some time. I was seeing people, hearing someone call my name and having things touching my body until I could not sleep. Stephen and Stevie came and cleared my house after finding two entities there. One of them wasn't friendly, but I actually felt very relieved and relaxed after they finished. Um, one thing I may add, I was very, very hesitant about having them here. I'm a skeptical person and really didn't believe this was happening. Everyone in our house doubted me, but without telling these God sent men anything, they confirmed everything that I've been saying. Yes, indeed, we had unwanted guests. 
Uh, it goes on with another sentence or two. But okay. the question that follows on from what Steve, Stephen said, um, in that he gives spirit free will to to move on uh, after counselling. But here you have a homeowner, and there, there are many, many more testimonials I was, I was reading through, where it's very apparent that the homeowner wants the spirit gone. But if the spirit doesn't want to go, what, what's your approach then? Yeah, that's what I was interested in, too. Well, we don't ever force anyone out. So uh, typically what happens is that most of the spirits choose to make that transition because they, they're kind of at a crossroads and they don't know what to do. So when, they, uh, when someone comes along that's able to counsel them and to point them in the right direction and connect them with their loved ones on the other side, who you know been, been there close by patiently waiting for them, they almost always always make that transition. Now, um, child, I've found that child spirits are kind of difficult to work with, and I have uh, had some occasions where even with a lot of counseling, uh, they chose not to move on. And, uh, you know, as long as they're not, if their spirit is there and they're not causing damage or traumatizing uh, children in the family, that kind of thing, um, it's okay. Some people are fine with them being there. But, but what um, if they are? What if they still continue? Well, we we here's a here's an instance. We went to a lady's house. Um, there was a young female spirit in the house who was lost, so we helped her make the transition. But there was a malevolent spirit in the house, and he was um, nightly. He would make her feel like uh, he was putting a pillow over her face and smothering her. So in those instances, we call on, we have uh, connections on the other side um, with higher spiritual allies that we just kind of turn it over to them and ask, you know, ask them to step in. And if it's in the highest good of everyone, that they will sometimes remove those spirits. We don't do it, but we ask our allies, you know, to uh, to come in and, and survey the situation and Again, if it's for the highest good of the homeowner and for the spirit and, and it's causing the issues, then they, they either remove them or do something along those lines. But, what's, um, what, what's the vibrational clearance that you also um, have undertaken? I'm sorry, what? Uh, one of the testimonials measure, uh, mentions that you did, performed a thorough vibrational clearing throughout the building. Right. Uh, a lot of people in our area kind of use the Native American way of clearing spaces. They'll sage and do that type of thing. But uh, for years I've been using a vibrational technique where I use a tuning fork that's tuned to a certain frequency and a rose quartz crystal as an amplifier and a kind of... Uh, become a channel for uh, higher energy to flow through uh, while I'm doing this clearing. And that just... That basically neutralizes the uh, any heavy or dense energy in a space and kind of sweeps it out. And a lot of times, oh, that's, that's interesting noticed, from a scientific. Well, we will have to discuss that after the really break. Interesting. We have to discuss that after the break, Steve, because we got to take a break right now. You're listening okay. to Ghost Chronicles. Chronicles International with uh, Stephen Parsons, Ron Kolick, and our special guest, Stephen Williams. And uh, right here on Tojana and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North End. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. of this first hour of Ghost Chronicles. This is the International Hour uh, with New England's own Van Helsing over there and here in the UK, the godfather of ghost hunting. I like that. I don't think so. Uh, tonight, our special guest is uh, <laughs> intuitive investigator Steve, uh, Stephen Williams from the Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue a fantastic website and check it out it's memphisghostinvestigations.com it actually kind of reminds me of uh, the ghostbusters because it starts off with if you're experiencing disturbing paranormal phenomena blah 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 where have we seen that before 555 what was the number what was the old what was the old ghostbuster number 555 i don't remember now i can't remember it i can't remember my own But just before the break, uh, we were talking about vibrational clearances, and Steve had um, described the technique using a tuning fork and uh, quartz crystal, I believe you said, Stephen? Right, rose quartz crystal. Which was which which was which you're using to disperse the the denser energies. I find that fascinating scientifically because, from my perspective, of course, in order to clear those energies. You have to know what they are. So you possibly know something that, that we as scientists don't yet fully well, understand. No. Let, me jump, let me jump in here, Steve, because uh, if you study feng shui at all, the, the feng shui, one of the things that they do is work with uh, qi, but uh, one of the ways of clearing is, is, for instance, clapping in the corners of a room where they – basically change the energy or change the vibrations of a room. And and you even know yourself during uh, the early uh, spiritualists uh, that they use music as well to change the vibrations as, as well. So I, I can understand that. But let Stephen answer our question. Yes. it's uh, To me, again, it's all about energy and frequency and vibration. So I feel like earthbound spirits are vibrating, you know, a certain frequency. And uh, if we can channel a higher vibrational energy to them 
through this clearing technique and through um, uh, ourselves as energy channels, uh, then we're able to help help them increase their awareness and their vibrational frequency increases, and they're not stuck in this uh, or mired in this uh, uh, deeper thought patterns that they get stuck in sometimes. We went into a house one time, and uh, we encountered the uh, uh, spirit energy of a young girl. She was in a closet, and all that she was saying over and over was, the house is on fire, the house is on fire. So there were three of us, uh, me and two of the, the ladies I used to work with, um, our mediums, and we were able to channel positive energy to her to the point where she was able to break out of that uh, mental loop, and then we were able to have a conversation with her and uh, help her release. But um, yeah, it's all, to me, it's all about increasing vibration, and uh, like attracts like, so you know, we bring in some good high energy into these situations. Does that answer your question, you could, Well, no, not quite, but... Okay, go ahead. But, I mean, it, it throws up another question, because if you're like, you said there, like attracts like, isn't there a danger that you're going to end up taking one of these spirits back with you unintentionally, having attracted it to your vibrations? No, because my vibration, I always try to keep it as high as possible, as do my uh, colleagues, so we're not going to be attracting any of the uh, lower level negative type energies those uh, frequencies so uh, where, where, can, we, can we I hope you don't mind but can we just explore this idea of frequencies and vibrations a little a little more because it, it's an area which my PhD work has been involved with which is looking at okay. vi specifically sure. vibration and frequencies and I'm interested that you, you're sort of classifying low frequencies um as being, uh, are they an indicator of, of spirit energy, whereas higher vibrational frequencies are, are good energy? Well, that, am I understanding way, that correctly? Yeah, the way my clear sentience works, I feel it around my crown chakra in my uh, personal energy field. So. I feel the energy of uh, earthbound spirits kind of around the ear level, and uh, when someone actually uh, transitions, I feel that vibration raise more towards the top of my crown chakra. When I feel um, when our allies from the other side that come in and uh, kind of act as spiritual bouncers or or those types of situations where we need some help, uh, if there's a malevolent spirit present and we call on them and they. They uh, bring in uh, the assistance that might be needed there. I feel that energy a lot higher. So it's to me, it's just um, I don't know how to classify it in terms of uh, it just seems like it's denser. It's more of a, a, a lower frequency. You know, it's it's more of a negative type energy for me. I feel I feel that energy more at the back kind of almost like crawling down my neck so i have kind of like an early warning system anytime i go mm -hmm. into a place i'm able to kind of read the energy of the entire space so I'm, I'm your use of the word denser psychic energy of vibrational energy is actually something i've i've, I've heard uh, other mediums using as well over here in the mm -hmm. uk and I, I've, we, we, I mean, we've worked with mediums here in the UK, um, actually looking at their response, the medium's response to vi uh, different physical vibrations, vibrations, in fact, in some instances that we ourselves were creating. 
Um, now, are we are we talking? What sort of thing is vibrating? Because we, you know we have sound vibration, which we obviously understand it's sound. We can hear it, um, and we have uh, electromagnetic frequency and vibration, which is uh, energy. You know, in, in in the form of electricity, in the form of magnetism, in in the form of light. Um, which which area are we in here? Are we are we dealing with energetic vibration, or are we dealing with acoustic vibration, or something in between, or a combination of both? Because I know you do electronic voice phenomena. Yeah, I feel like you know everything. My understanding of energy and matter is that everything is vibrating at a certain frequency. Uh, the t- the chair that I'm sitting on right now is is vibrating at a a slower frequency uh, than you know, different, other different things in the environment. So to me, it's just a matter of the level of, of the, the vibration, you know, if it's vibrating faster or slower. And um, that's just my understanding. Okay. okay. I don't really I, I, go I, I into the scientific yeah, part I, of this I, I, too much. It's just the scientist yeah. in me is it just, you know, it, it, it fascinates me when, when, we, when we're dealing with energy and vibration and physics uh-huh. Because physics is something I I I, I understand. Um, I unfortunately don't understand psychicness because I don't have that ability. But I do I do understand physics. What, um, so that's why mention, I was push, uh, pushing the questions in that direction a little bit. Yeah. One thing you did mention, Stephen, and I'm gonna is is that the lower vibrations were he considered those as. Uh, you know, not good, negative. Uh, so, I mean, isn't that you're working infrasound basically on the lower vibrations? So, I mean, is that doesn't that kind of correlate with it? Uh, well, it, it's very relevant to the infrasound research because you know it, it looks specifically at the very lowest frequencies, you know, right down to almost immeasurably low frequencies, uh, you know, way beyond normal human hearing ranges. Uh, and there is a, a link between people's experiences and those frequencies, because if you subject those pe- uh, people to those uh, very low frequencies, they report more paranormal experiences or more intense paranormal experiences. However, um, the link only demonstrates, we're only able to demonstrate what they experience. That, what they tell us that they experience, right? Um, which but, is, I mean, that, we look at that, Steve. If you look at it on the other end, they're at the higher frequencies, of course, like music and so forth, uh, tend to, you know, uh, activate people, tend to bring them, make them happier, tend to raise the spirits. So it, there is a correlation, somewhat, at least to, to the sound part of it. I, I think, anyways. And there's no doubt that there's a there's a, a definite link between the acoustic vibrations um, and our emotional states. So, for example, and and indeed not just our emotional states, but also our memory state, because we all have a favourite song, or um, you know, which evokes memory. You'll hear a piece of music, you will remember an event that's linked to that piece of music, or you will hear a piece of music and it will open up, you know. Uh, it will it will create pictures within your mind. So I mean that, that that's been long established and is unquestioned. Mm-hmm. But where where 
uh, I'm interested in talking to Stephen about and why I was going in that direction with the questions is because what we what we don't have is any way of measuring these vibrations that, that yeah, psychic vibrations. And, well, whatever they are, but they're using the language of physics to describe something that physics can't measure. Um, so they seem to have stolen the language of physics and applied it to something utterly unique to themselves. Um, you know, these vibrations, these energies, we can measure vibrations and we can measure energy all day right. long. We just can't measure or detect the energy and the vibrations that the mediums are saying that they're detecting. And that's intriguing and baffling because we, we ought to be able to, because if they exist um, in the states that, you know, as energy, as the mediums say that they exist, then physics should be able to detect them. So, Stephen, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think maybe someday there will be an instrument created that can, you know, possibly measure that. I don't know. I guess we don't have that available to us right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like the best instrument that's out there for any of this is the human body and our own, uh, you know, personal energy fields. People refer to it as your aura and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I feel like uh, the people that are are sensitive to these um spiritual type energies are, are able to detect it and to distinguish, you know, between masculine and feminine, uh, the higher and lower vibrations. So it's, I don't really think about that too much. I just know that I'm able to do it and the people that I work with are able to do it and we get results. And that to me is the main thing. So I don't really try to um, fathom, you know, how all this works. I really don't understand it. And for me, it really didn't start until about uh, 2005. Uh, I didn't realize I was able to distinguish these types of things. And it started um, for me when I was sitting in the uh, a little building at an antebellum home in a little town east of Memphis. And I started feeling this tingling sensation around my crown chakra. I didn't know what it was. And shortly after that, I met a medium and I would go into a location with her, and I'd feel this on one side or the other, and I would ask her, do you, you, know, do you see anyone here? And if she saw a gentleman in the, in the space, she would tell me, and I would, I would correlate that with it being on one side or the other. And so oh, okay. it's, it's a pretty handy tool, but how to explain it, I really don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm physics can't yet either. But I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'd like to also... Um, because um, there are lots of organizations who charge and you make it very clear that you don't. Um, but people can donate to, uh, what was the charity uh, that you said yeah, we you have guys children's, support? We have a children's hospital here that's uh, involved in uh, cancer research, trying to find a cure mm-hmm. for pediatric childhood cancer. That's St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So. I have not taken ever taken a penny. I've done this for 18 years, and people sometimes will try to pay us. But I always tell yeah. them, you know, if you want to show your gratitude, just you know, make a donation to that charity. Now, I wanted to make that point, or let you make that point clearly, because you know, often we do see um, investigators often charging lots of lots of money, and you guys especially, making very especially clear. mediums, especially mediums. Yeah, I, you make it very clear on your website that you don't charge. Um, but that if anybody does wish to make a donation um, to a very laudable charity, the details are on the website, which I'll just mention again is the Memphis Ghost Investigations.com. And our guest tonight is Stephen Williams, the intuitive investigator of the Memphis 
Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue Organization. Actually, you know what? Being a Brit, I've got to, I've got to ask because every time we get an American talking, if I do an American interview, they always ask me, you know, where were you born? When I say Liverpool, and they say, oh, do you know the Beatles? I've, I've got to ask Steve, <laughs> have you been to Graceland and have you tried yes. to find the ghost of Elvis? Well, yes, I have, and um, I took two of my friends there. One is the uh, the medium who actually kind of introduced me to the concept of spirit rescue. Up to that point, I would go into a, a home. I would collect evidence like most people do. I would present the evidence to the homeowner, and then I'd leave, and they would have the same predicament going on. You know, they'd have the same disturbances. Their children are being traumatized. So uh, I met this lady named Linda down in St. Augustine, Florida, and when she came to Memphis one time, she's probably the world's biggest Elvis fan, and she wanted to go to Graceland. So I took her and another medium friend of mine. Uh, we went up into the house. When you go up into uh, the first, uh, the foyer there, uh, there's a room off to the right. And inside that room is a beautiful big white piano. I guess that's where he practiced. And my friends uh, that were with me were both clairvoyant and clairaudient. Now, as soon as we walked into that room, I picked up on a very strong uh, crossed-over masculine spirit. So I figured that was him. I figured he was there. Uh, and then my friend Linda, who was standing next to me, pretty much collapsed into me. And I, I, I grabbed her and I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, he just came up behind me and kissed me on the neck. And so she was able to see him, and uh, the way she described him looking was uh, in his prime. And he, she said he looked like he was in his late 20s or early 30s. And so he just came up and, and you know, made a real friendly greeting, and then uh, we went on through the rest of the house. Hmm. He didn't stay long. So, <laughs> so, so can, we, can we be fairly certain now then that Elvis is, in fact, dead? I, yes, in my in my estimation, he is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, he's uh, and his energy was really, really high. His vibration was high. Uh, you know, he was a very spiritual person when he was alive, and um, you know, studied a lot of different religions and and so forth. But um, yeah, he was definitely there, and that was years yeah, ago. Yeah, we've, na we've nailed that conspiracy theory tonight. At least. Good job. Good job. <laughs> uh, one thing that that always bothered me uh, about. Uh, people at clear houses and, and spirits and so forth is, uh, and I'll give you a, an example of this. We did an investigation and we went in uh, with all our equipment and we, we picked up very little evidence of anything going on at all. And uh, we, we, were, we, you know, we followed up on it and they said, Oh, everything's fine. Now we had a medium come in and she discovered 400 revolutionary soldiers and this, two guys that one of them had killed somebody in a, and then this other six people. And, uh, but she showed them the light and they all left. So it, don't tell me that you do that. You would actually <laughs> say, okay, we go in his no. light. You know, they've been there for 200 years and, and they never could find the light. And, and it's, you know, some medium just says, there it is. And they say, Oh, thank you. And they go, it, you don't do that. Right. No, not at all. No. No, we, uh, we have an investigation coming up on Sunday, and actually uh, we referred to, um, to these people by a, another team in this area that's mostly equipment-based. And uh, we, we work with them, or we are going to be working with them uh, some here soon, hopefully. 
Uh, but we're, you know, we're going to try to help each other out with our own specialties. And they've gone in and discovered evidence that there's something going on there, but uh, they have not been able to um, to help Hoover's there to release and transition. So we're going to go in there on Sunday without knowing anything. And so we will go in, we will do our intuitive investigation and reveal to the homeowner what we feel like is happening there. See if that correlates with what they've experienced and also what, what the other team has found through equipment uh, investigation. And then if, uh, then we'll, you know, we'll try to help anyone there who is in spirit form, who is lost or um, you know, can't find their way to the next level. And uh, so, in a sense, we, we not only rescue the spirits, we, we also, uh, in a sense, rescue the homeowners from the situation they're having to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I be- definitely believe that you, you definitely help people uh, that, that you go in and do an investigation. Or your testimony says that, and I believe the relief of it, uh, it definitely helps them. But my question is, I, w- when spirits are, are there, and some of them have been there for a long time, uh, how do you get them to move on? And, and what is their, I mean, what is their excuse for sticking around? I mean, are there, is there a universal excuse? And, and how do you overcome whatever's holding them there? Well, it's it's a lot of counseling. It's a lot of psychology. Uh, I met an English medium named uh, Audrey Abernathy about 10 or 12 years ago. And Audrey uh, was involved in what she described as sending circles, which were which I call spirit rescue circles. They would get together in their homes uh, weekly or at a certain time, you know, on a regular basis, and they would ask their spirit guides to bring in any um, earthbound spirit in that area who needed help in releasing and transitioning. And the the main thing that she told me that I've always remembered and that I've always used in all my work is that um, ask as many questions as possible. So the mediums that I work with are able to hear the thought transmissions, energy transmissions of the spirits that we're working with at a particular location. So we will ask a lot of questions, you know, what happened? Why are you here? Uh, are you looking for someone? Uh, is there, you know, is there anything that we can help you with? And once they, they almost always want to tell their story. And then once they do that, we just do some counseling with them, explain to them, that there are more opportunities, that this is a journey, and it doesn't end, you know, with them being in that particular location, that they have other, you know, opportunities to learn or to heal or to be with loved ones that they're missing and that kind of thing. And then we have ways of connecting them with those loved ones and calling on those loved ones uh, and, and then directing them or directing their awareness to those loved ones. And almost always they will they will choose to to release and transition. Mm-hmm. So when they transition, where where are they going? They're going to a higher Utah. awareness. You know, some people might call it heaven or uh, Valhalla or whatever. I don't I don't put a particular name on it. To me, it's mm-hmm. more of an awareness type thing and um, a vibrational increase. So that's. They, they're no longer tied to a certain location and to um, to an existence that they have in their memory that, you know, that's all they, they think that's what their world is. They don't realize there's more to it. So that's our job is to go in and kind of uh, explain that to them and say, you know, if you want some help connecting with your loved ones, we can we can help you with that. But it's your choice. 
Have you ever had the spirit wants to come back? Like, doesn't want oh, to like, come back. goes over. They come back quite often, the says, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, like, come and... back to say, I don't want to cross over. I've changed my mind. I prefer staying where I am. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. But we have had quite a few will come back. And it shocked me the first time when that happened. Uh, it was a mother and son. And the son had a mental handicap. And they were both earthbound, and she was not going to leave until she was able to take him with her. And for some reason, he he just wasn't ready or he was afraid. And uh, so we, we counseled her. She did decide to go ahead and, and uh, transition. And then she came back immediately and thanked us because she realized, you know, that uh, she had been kind of missing out <laughs> on uh, on something there. And then she was able to talk to him and convince him, and they both went off together. So, yeah, they, they come back sometimes pretty quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. And how many, how many investigations do, we, do you do? I know this virus thing has thrown things off, but in a normal yeah. year, how many investigations do you do? Normally we only do this on because uh, we all have jobs. You know, I actually have two jobs. I'm a graphic designer and a massage therapist, and so I do this in my spare time. And normally we'll do it on a Friday night or a Sunday night from 7 to 9. Again, we don't have to be there more than two hours max. A lot of times uh, that one in Drummond's took us an hour. And mm-hmm. uh, part of that time is just sitting down with the, uh, with the client, with the homeowner, what we like to do is I like to go in and in about 10 or 15 minutes and do an interview with the, with the homeowner without asking for any information, just to, you know, kind of uh, if there are spirits there to have them get used to us being there. And during that time, the mediums that I work with are, of course, tuning in uh, and getting a lot of information and writing it down, and that's what we present at the end. And then the uh, clearing usually takes, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, depending on the size of the house. Really? Two hours to do an investigation and a clearance. You guys no, rock, I tell you. The, uh, <laughs> so it, it's not important that you do it at night then? You can do it any time then? Oh, no. We've done them at 7 in the morning, you know, depending on where we are. Yeah. You know, all the stuff about dead hour and all that, that's much bunk. Um, you know, spirits are there 24-7. They're creating disturbances. And here's the other thing. A lot of people in, misinterpret the action of earthbound spirits. Um when they move things, when they knock, when they touch people, they, they view that as threatening, but really it's a cry for help. It really is. They're just doing whatever they can energetically to um, interact, you know, react into our uh, environment and to just let people know that they're there. And a lot of times uh, when someone starts looking for help, like on the Internet, to try to find someone to come in and do an investigation, that's when the activity really increases dramatically because those spirits get really excited, you know, that there's someone coming to help them that's going to hear their story finally. Well, there's the bell, which means we've got to wrap it up. Uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Pass and Ron Kolick. Our very special guest today has been Stephen Williams from the Memphis Ghosts Investigations and Spirit Rescue. Uh, Stephen, once again, how can they reach you? MemphisGhostInvestigations.com or on Facebook, Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue. Okay, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Steve. Very cool. Thanks for answering the questions. Good to meet you.
Okay, so that was uh, intriguing. Uh, always, you know, you did answer a couple of questions. Uh, the the religious end of it was always a bit of stickler, uh, and also the uh, uh, the uh, part about uh, rescue has has always been kind of. Well, you know that you, you know that's a little controversial. You know whether whether you should rescue them or not, or whether you should just investigate and stop. But I know you're a good Catholic boy, so. Uh, um, and course, I leave it. To, we leave it to the professionals. Well, they've had two thousand years of practice. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there. Are, I mean, you don't see that the same in the UK because America and uh, the UK do differ in, in some respects, uh, particularly our approach to religion. We are more secular nowadays um, than um, than you guys are. You know, we don't mm. go to church on mass. Uh, and I noticed that um, our guest tonight, Stephen, was down in Memphis. You know, the further south you go, the more fundamentalist Christian it becomes. And, uh, yeah, but the it's not Memphis re- is like it's right not in really, the middle. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at, you know, sort of, uh, it's not really surprising to see. Well, here's the tunes. we got to go, Steve. That's all right. I was just going to say, it's not really that unusual to see Christianity and ghosts in the same sentence. Yeah. Anyway, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group. And uh, stay tuned for the second hour of Ghost Chronicles with Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and myself. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, my pleasure. Talk to you next week. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.